Pastor Ray Bentley helps us spot Pharisaical judgmentalism. How do you spot a Pharisee? And it's not just that we want to look at other people, because the biggest blind spot of all is for people who love God and who want to worship Him and who go to church regularly and who want to honor the Lord to have a blind spot and without even realizing it, you look down on other people who are not like you. Spread the news of His people coming down before the King. Lift your voice, Jesus is coming, join the song. Welcome to Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ's soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. It's impossible to be both judgmental and loving towards someone at the same time. And the Lord never said they shall know you are Christians by your judgmentalism. So how do we avoid the trap of living as judgmental Pharisees? Today, Pastor Ray helps us answer that question by looking at the actual Pharisees of Jesus' time. Let's open our Bibles to the book of Mark, the Gospel of Mark. Okay, uh, Mark chapter 8, we're going to look at verses 11 through uh, 21. And beginning in verse 11, it says, And then the Pharisees came out and began to dispute with him, Jesus, seeking from him a sign from heaven, testing him. But he, Jesus, sighed deeply in his spirit, And he said, why does this generation seek a sign? Assuredly, I say to you, no sign shall be given this generation. Now, what I want to do tonight is from the Gospel of Mark, I'm going to bring together uh, from the Gospel of Matthew the same story because Matthew adds a little color, a little detail uh, to the story. It wasn't just the Pharisees who came this night, but it was also the Sadducees. You know the difference between the two. Uh, The Pharisees, this is one of the things I've heard along the way, the Pharisees believed, for instance, in angels, they believed in life after death, Uh, therefore they believed in the resurrection. The Sadducees only believed in the first five books uh, of the books of Moses, and they did not believe in the resurrection, and that's why they are sad, you see. That's how you remember (laughs) Sadducees. But... Ironically, there are many people who therefore think, oh, the Pharisees, they were the really holy rollers and following the Bible, which they were. But the Sadducees, who were actually the more zealous religiously, because they only believed that the first five books of the Old Testament or the Old Covenant, uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, they didn't accept the writings or the prophets Uh, and the other books that were there, only the Law of Moses. So they were in some ways more strict and more legalistic in many ways. But the Pharisees saw themselves as different. Their very name, as I put here in your notes, means uh, the, the word itself, Pharisee, means to separate. And I want to say this about the Pharisees, and the reason I want to spend a little bit of time uh, talking about the Pharisees and looking at them is we need to have a a correction. There were some good things about the Pharisees that we're gonna talk about. And there were some other things about the Pharisees that you definitely want to avoid. In fact, today, if you call somebody a Pharisee, 
How many would agree that's, probably, that's not a good thing? If you're called a Pharisee, you're narrow-minded, you're um, judgmental, you're critical, and so forth. And that's not entirely true, as we will see. But I will say this about the Pharisees. They, they saw themselves as separate from and above all the rest of the Jews. Uh, therefore, they looked down on anybody who was not exactly like them. And they, along with the Sadducees, and the Pharisees and Sadducees did not get along. Uh, they, they were theological enemies, their lifestyle, their beliefs, their values. The Sadducees actually controlled the temple and the temple mount. To be a Pharisee, you could actually join and become part of them. To be a Sadducee, you had to be born into it. It was part of a Levitical rite. So they had all of these things, but somehow, uh, these former enemies, when it came to Yeshua of Nazareth, they came together because they were both opposed to the power and the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. They did not believe that he was the Messiah. But back to the Pharisees, they saw themselves as above and better than others, and especially better than the common people. Now, at the same time, let me say that no doubt there were many Pharisees who were very, very sincere. They wanted to follow God and they wanted to do what was right. And they probably, most of them began when they were younger and their spirits were hungry to be righteous and to be good and, and to do what the Lord wanted. But as they got further and deeper into the lifestyle and the culture, and then the attitudes of the Pharisees, they came to the place where they would drift, and they had drifted over a number of years into both pride, where they lifted themselves above others, and prejudice. And to the extent that they were known then to contend with Jesus, and that they actually rejected him as the Messiah, the very promised Messiah, uh, who the Lord had, had given to Israel and to the Jews first as a gift. He was standing right in front of them. And every time Jesus opened his mouth, heaven came out of his mouth. Every time Jesus physically touched someone that was sick, the disease was gone. Every time the presence of an evil, fallen, demonic spirit came into the presence of Christ, they would scream out and be drawn out and cast out by him. Even nature obeyed him. Eventually, death had to obey him as he began raising various ones from the dead on the way to his own resurrection. But the Pharisees, uh, who were so sincere and so desirous to honor God, rejected the Messiah. Now, as I note here, I do want you to know this, though. Uh, we must remember that many Eventually, uh, now I'm talking about in the book of Acts, after Jesus rose from the dead, and both Peter and John are preaching there. At one time, 3,000 get saved. Another time, 5,000 get saved. And many of the religious leaders and rabbis and even Pharisees and Sadducees came to believe in Jesus. So that Jesus had some substantial followers from this group. And not only that, including some of the high-ranking rabbis, such as Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea. But I do want to say this. How do you spot a Pharisee? And, and I guess to make the application tonight, 
we're going to use that, that term Pharisee as something that, that is generally not positive and something to be avoided. Uh, how do you spot a Pharisee? <laughs> and it's not just that we want to look at other people, because the biggest blind spot of all is for people who love God and who want to worship Him and who go to church regularly and who want to honor the Lord to have a blind spot and without even realizing it, you look down on other people who are not like you and you judge them and you have a critical spirit toward them. So how to spot a Pharisee means beginning with, Lord, have I developed in any way in my heart and life some attitude that, that is like a Pharisee and that is not honoring to you. Well, here's the first thing that you'll, you'll find, and, and we have to begin with ourselves. And to be honest, the reality is all of us are Pharisees at one time or another. How many would agree you're not perfect yet tonight? Okay. So every single one of us is not free from drifting into, before we know it, judging, and especially, it's let alone that, that you're judging other Christians who are not doing what you're doing, but then how much easier it is to judge and criticize and then fall into the condemnation of the world. But Jesus said in John chapter 3, verse 17, I did not come into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through the Messiah might be saved. Now, if Jesus, who is the only perfect human being who ever walked on the planet Earth, said, my ministry is not to condemn people, how in the world can it be the church's ministry? And there are many churches who think that's what the church is here in the world to do, is to go condemn all the people. Now, here's the reality. Do you know why we don't need to go out and condemn people? And the answer is given in the Bible. Because they're already condemned. We don't need to make, you don't need to make people feel guilty. They already do. Now, yes, I know there are people that have hardened their hearts and so forth, but they're under a sentence of judgment. They're already condemned, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. We're all in the same boat. So what they need is to hear the gospel, and the gospel is good and glorious news. Amen? Pastor Ray Bentley will have more of today's study in just a moment. It's such a blessing to hear from our radio listeners who found biblical help and hope through this ministry. Dear Ray Bentley, I was at a very low time in my life, a time when I was starting to question the existence of God. I felt as if God was nowhere in my time of need. I received one of your radio offers about discouragement. It opened my eyes and showed me that God was everywhere. In fact, I see now that God allowed me to endure this time of pain to strengthen my love and commitment toward Him. It's funny how God works sometimes. Right when you think He's nowhere to be found, there He is. How have these studies in God's Word had an impact on your life or impacted your family? Would you drop Pastor Ray an email and let him know? Write ray at raybentley.com. That's ray at raybentley.com. It would be such an encouragement to hear from you today. And now more of today's message from Pastor Ray Bentley. So one of the signs, either beginning in myself or with others, that uh, that spirit of Phariseeism is rising up is seeking an argument. You're looking for a fight and you want an argument. Then the Pharisees came out, verse 11, and began to dispute <laughs> with him. Who, is he, who are they disputing with? Jesus. 
They're arguing with the Messiah. And then secondly, looking down on others. That's another way. If you begin looking down on a certain group of people or a particular flaw, sin, weakness, uh, lack of character, whatever. And here's, here's the real problem when we, when we drift into the attitude of the Pharisees there. There's no compassion. There's no heart. This is not the heart of our Heavenly Father. Now, you are a son of God. You are a daughter of God. You have the Holy Spirit in you. And we are growing up into the full maturity of Jesus Christ, the full measure of the stature of Christ. Now, let me tell you what that nature is in you by the Holy Spirit. God loves the world. God loves people. God loves all of them. His heart yearns for them. His soul reaches out for them. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance and the knowledge of him. That's why the Father sent the Son. That's why Jesus left heaven. The Son of Man came to seek and to save those who are lost. That should be our heart. The first instinct of, a, of when you are filled with the Spirit for people, whether they are struggling uh, disciples, or whether they are having fears and anxieties and doubts and questions is not condemnation and not looking down and not judging and not being critical, uh, but it is having love and having mercy and having compassion over and over and over and over again. Jesus was surrounded with people that followed him for the wrong reasons. They wanted another meal. They wanted another miracle. They wanted to be entertained. They had shallow reasons. And yet Jesus, over and over again, it says he was moved with compassion for them. He loved them. And as a shepherd, he kept feeding them and kept loving them and kept ministering to them. And little by little, he began to draw out those who were hungry for him and, and who did become disciples. And even those who were with him every day for three and a half years, it took some of them years to grow into the full maturity before they became martyrs for him because they had the same love. So why uh, Pharisees were looking down, this is mind boggling, how arrogant do you have to be to look down at Jesus? <laughs> That's the Pharisees. They looked down at him. And why did they look down upon him? Because he was different from them. Not in his beliefs, in the law and in the word of God, but in how he followed it, how he applied it to his life. And yet at the same time, let me say again about the Pharisees, there was no one in ancient times in the land of Israel who was more committed to the scripture. There were no group of people more eager for righteousness than the ancient Pharisees. And yet when the Messiah showed up, here were their accusations. He doesn't seem to care about sinners. In fact, his whole demeanor seems He's soft on sin. That was the accusation against the Messiah. He seems overly accommodating to all of these people whom we know are living as hypocrites all through the week. And now because there's signs and wonders, they're following him. But they judge the people who were following Jesus. Jesus didn't judge them. He was happy that they were following him. He knew them. He knew that there were a variety of reasons. He knew that many of them were shallow. He knew that they were following maybe just for the signs, and yet he still loved them. He still healed them. He still touched them. He still blessed them. 
He did not get discouraged from that. They considered Jesus overly accommodating to the masses. And then they judged his spirituality and they said, it's really not even that holy because of the kind of people that he hangs around. And that, of course, we know well. So looking down on others, that is a sign that either in ourselves or among others, uh, that the spirit of a Pharisee is rising. The third one is they prejudged Jesus. Now to prejudge is basically what we call prejudice. Now what's interesting here in the Gospel of Mark, verse 11, it says, then the Pharisees came out and began to dispute with him, seeking from him a sign from heaven testing him. Now, the Pharisees, you need to know this, when they said, we want to see another sign, they did not want to see another sign so they could test him to see if they would believe in his claim to be the Messiah. You need to understand this. These Pharisees had already decided and judged that Jesus was not the Messiah. And the reason that they were now entering into a dialogue with him was not so that they could be convinced, but was so that they could trap him and prove that he wasn't the Messiah and get all these people from following him and to get them away. They weren't really interested in another sign. They were actually looking for evidence that would support their claim that they were more spiritual even than he was because he was not like them. So here's where we have to be careful. In the way that they applied, the, you know, Jesus had the law, he is the only one who lived the law, they had the law, they followed it, Jesus didn't follow it exactly the way they did, and so therefore they judged him. Now within the body of Christ, there may come within us at certain times, or within the body, uh, there may be some that, that's, that give a, that all of a sudden they have a passion for the gospel a passion for evangelism. Every person they see that isn't saved, they want to witness to them and they give them a tract and they were sharing scriptures with them and they're memorizing because they want to share the gospel with them. And they have a burning passion uh, for the lost. That's good. How many would agree that's good? How does such a person who memorizes scripture to be able to share at any given moment, at any particular time, the gospel concerning Jesus Christ and leads many people to the Lord, how could such a one drift into being a Pharisee? By judging all the other Christians who aren't doing exactly the same thing that I'm doing. Why don't they have the same burden for the lost? Why don't they have the same passion? Why aren't they memorizing these scriptures? And very subtly and very slowly you begin to look down on those who do not have the same passion for evangelism. But there's another one that comes along and says, well, yeah, great. I've seen the Crusades and all the people that come down, but how many of them actually stick it out? Evangelism isn't the problem. We've got all kinds of people walking and saying things and saying prayers and making decisions. That's not the real issue. The real issue is discipleship. That's what the church isn't doing. We're not making disciples. We need to focus on discipleship. So everybody that they find that is a Christian and maybe nominal or whatever, they say, you need to get in and, and really get serious and get a class. And they, they begin to, now, that's great. That's awesome. That's wonderful. A man or a woman that has a passion and a burden and a desire and they're using all their gifts and skills and energy to disciple everyone that God brings into their path is marvelous. How could such a one drift into becoming a Pharisee? by simply looking at others and saying, they don't seem to have the same passion as I do for making disciples. 
They're not really teaching people how to go deeper into the word and have a daily devotional life. And so they're not like you. Someone else says, look, we've got evangelism. We've got Christian TV. We've got Christian radio. We've got books and Christian bookstores. I mean, you've got evangelism and discipleship in America. Are you kidding me? Everybody's got access to that. What we need is missions. We need people to go out and go to the places and to the four corners of the earth and go to the lost tribes and people who don't even have the Bible. If you really love Christ, you want to really be radical, give up and sell everything you've got and go to the foreign mission field and do missions. That's the heart of God. If I find somebody like that, I'm like, wow, it's awesome. This is good. The burning passion is from the Lord. How does such a one with a burning passion for missions then drift to become a Pharisee? When they judge all the people out in the mission field and say, they don't really love, they don't really care. They're not writing, they're not supporting, and they should be giving up everything and be out here and miserable like me too. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> when you judge others. Are, are you getting, does this, do you see what I'm saying? Has anyone heard of the body of Christ? Is, are we all a mouth? Are we all the eyes? Are we all a hand? And so this is something that has been a problem and a, a weakness, a vulnerability of God's sons and daughters who are zealous for the good things and the right things. It's like the hand waking up in the morning and just pointing at you going, hey, you gotta be a hand. What if your body, what if every part of your body wanted to do its own thing? One leg wanted to go this way and another leg wanted to go that way and your arms are flailing around. Spastic, it would be weird. Thank God we have, how many are glad we have one head? <laughs> Jesus is the head. So I think you see where I'm going here. Jesus is the head, he's, the, he's directing. And the head says, thank you hands. Love you guys. Bless you my legs and my feet. Blessed with my mouth to praise and to worship the Lord. How I thank God that I have ears to hear, eyes to see. I want every member and every part of my body. We are to grow from little baby infants to the full maturity of the measure of the stature of Christ. We have those that are judging different kinds of churches. If you're really gonna be a holy church, you gotta be this kind of church. Uh, well, and, and there's all kinds of words about it and, and it can be big, it can be, or it, no, it's gotta be small, or no, it's gotta be this way or that way. Hey, God has different, there's gonna be many mansions in heaven, different styles. God knows you, everything is tailored to you individually. And, and the Lord loves, he loves each one of us. Unwittingly, the Pharisees, ended up judging, looking down upon Jesus, and therefore they fell into their own trap. They exposed by judging Jesus their own pride and prejudice. As they pointed the finger at him, they were really only pointing at themselves. Pastor Ray Bentley, with good insights for us today, as we consider the danger of following in the judgmentalism of the Pharisees. Glad you've joined us today on Maranatha Radio. Today's study is titled Attitude Check. If you missed any part, you can hear a replay on iTunes or at raybentley.com. That's raybentley.com. We hope you'll stop by our site today. When you get there, under Media, you'll notice three words, Watch, Radio, and Devo. 
Three ways to enjoy Pastor Ray's insights. Plus, click About and find out more about Pastor Ray and find out how you can come into a deeper relationship with the Lord. And at the bottom of the page, you can sign up to receive Pastor Ray's daily devotions via email, free of charge. Plus, you'll find other spiritual growth books and resources from Pastor Ray, including his latest book called The Threshing Floor, a prophetic fiction novel. So many are enjoying the full series called The Elijah Chronicles. And RayBentley.com is always where you'll find the best deals on Pastor Ray's resources. You can also make a donation right there on the site. Your investments help bring the whole gospel to the whole world. Our mailing address is Maranatha Radio, 10752 Coastwood Road, San Diego, California, 92127. Next time, join Pastor Ray for more from our studies in Mark. More from God's Word next time on Maranatha Radio. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ's soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley is an outreach of Maranatha Chapel, 10752 Coastwood Road, San Diego, California, 92127.